Hello everyone and welcome to the Banter Roundtable podcast. This is your host, Ben Cohen. And I'm Bob Seska. And I'm Justin Rosario. The Banter Roundtable podcast is brought to you by the Banter Newsletter. We rely on our generous subscribers to keep going, so please support us by signing up for a Banter membership today. You can get a 50% discount when you join the community and you'll get access to all our premium articles and locked archive. You will also be supporting independent, responsible media at a crucial time when our democracy is in peril. Your support is greatly appreciated. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 28 of the Banter Roundtable podcast. Justin, Bob, good morning, guys. Uh, rough hey, week. Ben, how are you? Hey, how's it going? Yeah, yeah, you know, I think uh, <laughs> you can probably hear it in everybody's uh, voice this week that everyone's a little um, beaten up um, and feeling kind of down about this uh, horrific week. Mm-hmm. So we are, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about the, obviously, the horrific shooting um, in uh, Uvalde, Texas, where an 18-year-old, Salvador Ramos, fatally shot 19 students and two teachers at uh, Rob Elementary School. So we're going to spend a good amount of time talking about that. We don't actually have a members podcast today because we, you know, this is basically going to be taking up most of you know, the discussion and we had a members in the members podcast last week, we, we talked about guns. So this week we're just going to release the podcast um, as a whole and uh, we'll be back with the members only podcast next week. Uh, we are also going to be talking about um, on a brighter note, on a lighter note, we've got uh, Kellyanne Conway's bust up with Donald Trump. That's been, uh, that's, that's given me um, a, a brief respite from the awful news this week is <laughs> been watching that. Uh, yes, it was very, be... very sad. <clears throat> very sad indeed. You, you yeah. hate to see you hate to see a long term relationship end. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, we we've also got uh, we're going to be discussing the sort of the new um, democratic strategy that you're seeing in a lot of governor races uh, around the country, which is kind of interesting. It's an interesting new strategy the Democrats are using, which involves boosting MAGA candidates. So we'll go into that. What are the pros and cons? Is this necessary? Is it moral? Do we care? Should we care? Most importantly, does it work? Then we are <clears throat> going to talk. We've got our both sides segment where we're going to discuss. Uh, we have examples of uh, Republican lunacy and Republican just totally immoral, insane behavior that you do not, absolutely do not see on the Democratic side. And with that one, we're going to be talking about the Republicans, uh, who they're blaming in the wake of the Texas massacre. So uh, without further ado, um, let's get going. I want to just want to put it out there that I haven't, I've been unable to watch much of the news in regards to this, um, yeah. the, the massacre in, in Texas, just because I, I've got kids and uh, looking at too many of the details, I, I just can't do it. I cannot emotionally go there. You know, yeah, I got yeah. my kid in school. I had to, you know, drop my kid off at school Um you know, after hear, you know, the night, the, the morning after hearing about it, it's it's sort of like surreal, you know, mm-hmm. um, that in this country that you can you can you can send your kid to school, and in the back of your mind you're thinking, yeah, you know, is my kid's school going to be next, right? right. Uh, not that it's it's easier for 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 
people with no kids, but I just think there's, there's a sort of an, an extra sort of element. There's an extra dimension there when you have kids of school age. It's just, it's like your worst nightmare. Uh, and then you hear it happening and you just think like, look, this is, this is also as a Brit, um, this doesn't happen in the UK. This doesn't happen right. anywhere else on the planet. It happens in America and the country won't do anything about it. What's the British view? What's the British view of the United States in the context of uh, of guns? Because I hear a lot, and I'm sorry, I don't, I don't mean to derail you here on this, Ben, but uh, I've just been curious, and I've heard some things, but I just love to get it from you in terms of, you know, when people think of the United mm-hmm. States uh, in England, like, well, what is the perception of the United States? Is it perceived as a safe place to go and visit? Or is it like, oh, yeah, yeah, the states are great, but, you know, be sure not to get shot. Yeah, they, I mean, that's sort of the general perspective there is is um, they they look at the um, America res. I think there's a misconception, right, that America is a very violent country because for the mm. most part, it actually isn't particularly violent in t- when you're looking at um, overall st- violent crime statistics. So there is a kind of misconception that, that America is is a very violent place. But they do correctly sort of see that there are, you know, there are these insane gun violence statistics that you just don't yeah. see anywhere else. So that there's, and, and this is what, you know, having lived in both countries, like I would say that the UK is a more overall, a more violent place than America, like much more just everyday violence, like, you know, street crimes and fights and whatnot. Um, but America, when the violence does happen, it's much worse. Mm-hmm. So, and then when it comes to the gun deaths, I think that the, the view in, in the UK is they, they cannot understand. They just don't understand what the whole obsession with the Second Amendment is about. I have no idea. Because guns just not, it's not really a thing in, in the UK. Like nobody yeah. really cares about guns. They don't, they don't equate it with, equate guns with freedom. Um, and they, if there was a gun, you know, I think there, there was a whole explosion of gun crime in the UK in the early 2000s, uh, particularly in, in, in London. And, and that was pretty scary. And mm-hmm. the and the government just basically just, you know, there was an automatic five-year sentence for uh, if you got caught carrying a gun, you're going to jail for five years. Like, that's a, it's a minimum sentence in, in, in the UK now if you get caught with a handgun. Yeah, yeah. Um, so and there were no the public was yeah it was fine like they were just it was kind of common sense you think okay we have a gun crime problem so let's 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 heavily regulate guns let's let's yeah. make sure that and 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 fight and imprison people who carry them uh, so yeah it's it's always perplexed me it's one thing I, I I'm I start I'm starting to understand oh, slowly I I understand that in America like it's very sort of central part of Americans identity. So, but I still don't, it makes no sense to me and it makes no sense to anybody outside of the U S well, Ben, I, I have some good news for you. Um, as a parent with three kids in school and a fourth one that is, uh, a surrogate kid in school. So I have four kids that I have to worry about. You hmm. do eventually become numb to it because Jordan's been in school now for he's in eighth grade so he's been in school for 11 years right because he did pre-k 
I'm sorry, no, he did before pre-K. So he was in school. He was in school even before that. So he's been in school for 11 years. Anastasia is in sixth grade, so she's been going. In, she's in school for eight years at this point. So <laughs> I, I'm going on a decade now of this of uh, school shooting after school shooting after school shooting after school shooting, and eventually you do become numb to it. Like you know the 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 absolute panic of taking your kid to the school the next day eventually you don't have that absolute panic anymore you just have a low level constant panic mm. all the time so you know and humans are really adaptable you get used to the constant all the time panic of taking them to school i'd start to you know, i'd start to debate between uh, distance learning <laughs> you know uh, that we've been going through with the pandemic versus going to school and the potential of being shot. And I understand the statistics, but I think part of the side effect of these mass shootings, especially the ones in schools, is that feeling of insecurity that you have after a terrorist attack. I mean, that's the uh, whether the shooters intend to uh, create a sort of terror situation that reverberates beyond the crime that they're committing themselves. Uh irrespective of that we still have that takeaway we still have that feeling like after 9-11 we're like oh my god when's the next when's the next strike gonna happen which where's the next plane gonna hit and i think that's got to be a dominant fear as well yeah i i you know i do see that i know that statistically i, I was reading somewhere that the chances of your kid getting shot in school is about one in 10 million so it's mm-hmm. It's like it's not gonna. It you know, it's like getting hit by lightning, right? It's it's probably not gonna happen, almost certainly not gonna happen. But you 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 never know, and and yeah, that's it's, it. it's also the fact that guns are so prevalent. It's they're so prevalent; they're just everywhere. Well, and that people in, in, in America are really losing their shit. I've been yes. observing it as the American nervous breakdown, where it just seems, and maybe it's just because it's more visible because of social media and the prevalence of video, but uh, the, the prevalence of, of people just randomly freaking out and the sense of entitlement. I can do whatever the hell I want. There's no rules anymore. That kind of, that's a scary uh toxic kind of cocktail between that and uh the gun proliferation in this country so you combine those two things and you have explosive results horrible results yeah it 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 really is i think covid hasn't done the whole you know two years in a pandemic hasn't done the country any favors you know it's it's like you've taken an already slightly crazy country and and then made it crazier Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, with, with two years of lockdown and you know no mental health like the, the, also one of the things that's so troubling about America is that mental health resources in this country they just don't they don't really exist and you know the healthcare system is so bad um, and so unequal that people who are come from disadvantaged backgrounds do not get the help that they need and so you've got a mental health crisis. You've got, uh, uh, and then you've got a, an abundance of guns. You've just got guns everywhere. So it's a it's a it's a recipe for disaster. Mm. That you know, look, I'm sure that had if America invested huge amounts of money in mental health over time, you'd see a big reduction in these kind of um, these outbursts. But that's you know, 
is that going to happen? I, I don't see it. You know, I don't see. And again, I think we've got to get to the the heart of the issue here, and that is the Republican Party, right? And like, you know, I don't want to maybe be accused of being a hyperpartisan, but the reason why you have gun massacres in this country is because of Republicans. The reason that you have no mental health care infrastructure in this country is because of Republicans, right? That's it. There's no like, no, there's no, there's there's no, no debate doubt. about that. They, um, they, they, they're blocking all progress, all, all progress when it comes to having a, a, a civil, civilized, peaceful society. You can, you can lay that squarely at the feet of Republicans. They're doing absolutely everything in their power to make sure that nothing ever happens, nothing ever gets done. To um, they, they'll, they'll, ha- every solution. It's amazing to watch how they've res- they're responding to this, where they'll deny the blatant reality, the blatant evidence that guns are to blame for this, and then offer up the fucking dumbest solutions you've ever heard. You know, single doorways into schools, right? This is like like this kind of thing, this, like completely impractical. Um, yeah, like you know, because what happens if there's a fire? Yeah, then you. What, and then what you're could possibly two, go wrong then? With two thousand kids coming out of one door, of course, like health and yeah, we're talking about people. Know, I mean, if they know if they don't get shot, they're going to get trampled. I mean, that's the result. Or or a gunman just waits outside. I mean, they know exactly where every single person that's in that school is going to be filing out that door, and it's a turkey shoot. I mean, these are just dumb ideas. And you know why? You know what else makes them dumb is they're intentionally dumb. They're dumb to get us talking about their dumb solutions rather than pointing directly at the bodies and the guns that manage to accumulate those bodies. They don't want us to, uh, Republicans don't want us to talk about that. They'd right. rather have and, us uh, chasing these red herrings in these blind alleys. It's ridiculous. And I think the, the thing, a lot of the, these narratives in the Uvalde shooting are, are, are being stripped away. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, they did have armed uh, security at the school. Yeah. Um, the police got there in time and the guy was like, she, like they didn't go in for like an hour. I mean, I know they, they were chasing the, him. They were, they were chasing the guy and he fled into the school. Yeah. Unfucking believable. Right. And, and I think from what I understand, you know, I think one of the police officers went in to get his own kid, but not, not any of the other kids. Oh, yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. So look, these, these are all, again, we're kind of, there's, there are stories that are, kind of, are are filtering in. I don't want to say, I don't know the veracity of, of all of these stories, but I think what's becoming clear is that the good guy with the gun theory is absolute bullshit. Yep. And it's always been bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I understand first that. First person who coined it. Yeah. I understand that 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 particular town, uh, Uvalde, spends like 40% of its budget on the police department. And then there's a quote from a local <laughs> politician that, you know, it's like, well, they could have gone in there, but they would have gotten shot. It's like, yes, mm-hmm. that's their job. If their well, job is supposed to be to go in and protect the public, then that's the job. <laughs> if police you know, are outgunned by one guy with two AR-15s, what's the point? I mean, Jesus, that emphasizes everything we've been saying, which is that, no, civilians shouldn't have access to these cinematic military-style firearms, period. Right. Well, right. If, and, if the, the cops can't that- do anything about them, then what... 
good God, what are we doing? The law but the and other order si- party but the other is, side of yeah. that is the militarization of the police. If they're supposed, they're, yeah. they're all yeah. built up like soldiers. Are like, okay, so either they have a gazillion dollars worth of military equipment so they can handle any threat or they can't handle the threat. It can't be both. You can't say they need all this stuff so they can handle any threat and then say, well, they can't handle the threats because it's too much. You can't do that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Pick one. Like, which, what do you want? You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, so well, what they want, what, what, what they want is they want an arms race in our schools. Right. That's exactly what they want. They want this mutually assured destruction situation in schools. And, and one of the benefits to them, and I think this is be the, uh, the main benefit to them is more gun sales, more people buying firearms, buy them for the schools, buy them for the security guards, more guns, more guns, more guns, fill up the schools with them. What could possibly go wrong? I mean, right, besides also- the arms race in the schools, like, okay, well, the teachers now have so many guns, so the shooters are going to bring in more people and more guns, and then the teachers will have to augment their arsenal, and then the shooters will have to bring more. On top of that, you've got guns stockpiled in the schools. Where children and children find ways, there are ways to do this. Tests are stolen from safes all the time. Uh, 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 Answers to exams are stolen from computers all the time. I assure you, guns stockpiled in school by teachers or administrators or whoever, kids are going to get their hands on one of those guns. Eventually, it's going to happen. Life will find a way, as they say in Jurassic Park. And it's just a dumb fucking idea. Again, another blind alley that they want us to chase down rather than talking about the real impact of these fucking retail uh, death machines that are so freely sold in a sacrosanct way. Got to protect constitutional rights. uh, And that means leaving all of our children vulnerable to being mowed down in a massacre. Unfucking but it also undermines the un- institution of public education, which mm. is also something they really want to do. So if you make it, if you make schools unsafe, either through leaving them unprotected or turning them into freaking prisons, yeah. then you undermine schools, and that's exactly one of the um, goals of the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. So it's a win-win for them. Meanwhile, we 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 are losing our kids by the hundreds every year because of shit like this and they don't care yeah and, and it's a lot of the, the a lot of the politicians obviously couldn't give a shit because their kids are in fancy private schools where they have access to mental health facilities and you know what i mean they're, they're on um you, you're not dealing with the same kind of issues that a lot of these these uh i, I bet you if this kid who shot up the school <clears throat> had been in a rich republican area um, or, or anywhere in a, in a very wealthy neighborhood, he would have had access to mental health um, treatment and whatnot. But like, obviously, you know, he didn't. Um, I'm not saying that that would have definitely, you know, the, the mental health aspect of things, that the only way to, to prevent these things, but it certainly helps. Right. So it doesn't affect the, polit- like, the you know, particularly Republican politicians. It, it's not about their kids. Right, you, you, private schools aren't getting shot up. You know, I, at least I don't know of any private that where that's happened in a very fancy private school in in, in rich neighbourhoods. So it's not a problem that really affects them, as usual. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, do you sense that this time there could be any change? Like, I hate to say, I, my feeling is no. Is that again? No, I can't even imagine why. I mean, I saw an article saying that the Senate is debating uh, gun control, and it's like, no, they're not. 
No, they're That's not. That's hilarious. No. Like, the Republicans will talk about debating it, and then they'll eventually just say, oh, no, it's the, the bill's too extreme. It's like, it doesn't matter what the bill is. Anything they, anything they come up with will be too extreme, even if Republicans are the ones that came up with it. They'll eventually yeah. shoot down their own bill as too extreme. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's- nothing Nothing is going to happen. Nothing legislatively is going to happen, at least uh, at the congressional level. There may be some things passed through state legislatures where there's still democracy. Uh, but at the national level, <laughs> nothing. good luck. Don't hold your breath for something to come out of the Senate. Oh, and by the way, yeah, Joe Manchin's on it. There's a lot. There's a confidence. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Remember uh, talking, um, I don't oh, know, it was please. last week or the week before, but yeah, all those videos I like to collect of uh, politicians shooting the legislation they don't like, you know, which is a real, <laughs> real illustration of democracy, isn't it? Yeah. When you don't like something, kill it. Love it uh, and, and I just posted a video uh, that Joe Manchin produced years ago in which he's doing exactly that. He's shooting the cap and trade bill with his gun. There's your Democrat from uh, West Virginia. And so we're supposed to uh, hope that this guy makes the right choices and cuts the right deal. Last time he did it, the Republicans filibustered, but put together a deal with Pat Toomey, a Republican. And they came Mm -hmm. up with uh, some new background checks, closing gun show loopholes and things like that. And that was completely annihilated by the Republicans, filibustered. Because you know what? People had forgotten uh, about Sandy Hook by that point. It was March. It was three months after Sandy Hook happened. And so, uh, fuck it. The American public has moved on so we can do this quietly and uh, and kill the bill, which is exactly what they did. So there's no fucking way this is going to happen at the congressional level, which is one of the reasons why... I've been promoting this concept that we need to instead tackle the gun culture, which we don't need Congress for. We don't need legislation for it. All we need to do is, uh, you know, put together, uh, you know, a, a team, put together a group like the Truth Initiative for Smoking. I wrote about this for the banter this week. Do that instead, where you target the gun culture with this decades long effort to strip away the allure of firearms in this country i'm sick and fucking tired of hearing people say oh yeah we got to protect the uh you know the uh, law-abiding gun owners the reasonable gun owners or the heirloom quality of firearms where sons or parents hand their guns down to their sons and their sons hand them down to their sons and so on fuck all of that yeah that's you know, if you want to do it <laughs> fine but at the same time Let's not put this up as being like this mantle of American democracy. Let's not say that this is something that we should glorify in this country. Firearms are made for one thing, and that is to kill or wound living beings, whether we're talking about animals or human beings. And uh, as we've seen too often, it's human beings. And so this is what this is intrinsic to what firearms are, and we need to define them that way. The people who stockpile the firearms are cowards. They're not masculine. They're not mm. tough guys. They're not, you know, militia soldiers who are carrying on the traditions of the revolution. That is all bullshit, and we need to strip away that patina of toughness with firearms and, and really start to define what they actually are which is a, a piece of a retail purchased hardware for cowards and uh, military cosplayers who aren't brave enough to actually go and serve themselves. So they pretend, 
you know, that's the angle that we need to take with this. And I think it, it, it works. You don't have to worry about a filibuster. You don't have to worry about, oh, can we cajole Joe Manchin into doing fuck all of it. Just do it. Go at it. Collect the money. Produce the videos. Truth Initiative, CDC, the FDA even has put together all kinds of incredible advertisement. The template is there. All we need to do is borrow it. The, the template for attacking cigarettes. That's what we did for many, many years in this country. And it can work for guns, too. I, I wonder whether there's uh, I wonder whether there's any space for kind of like nonprofit um ad agencies doing this kind of thing like i'd love to hear about ideas from people uh yeah. or, or any resources of anybody doing this kind of thing you know like ad agencies uh <clears throat> you know i'd be down to donate i'd be down to like help uh fund or organize any anything um where you can get people who are in do who do advertising like that i what you know what we need are the 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 real um brightest minds in advertising and the brightest minds in PR to 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 start to shift the culture uh, and come up with some sort of um, yeah organization whether it's from the government maybe the if the government won't do it then maybe someone else has got to do it you know maybe somebody else has got to has got to do that you know guns are for beta males you know that kind of thing <laughs> yeah yeah um, exactly right you know really change the the you know get people in in uh in the music industry to get on board with it to to uh create music you know to create music videos about showing about how you know how pathetic it is uh to, to own a gun i don't know something anyway if anyone's listening anyone has any ideas uh post them um well, look, uh, mike bloomberg has been spending a pile of money on uh, uh on messaging as far as guns go uh there's a possibility for someone who can finance a uh, a, a national nonprofit to uh, start this sort of thing uh, lots mm -hmm. of opportunities here and i think it also needs to require uh hollywood to get into the uh yeah. Getting all of this uh, so often, and and I'm not saying that this is necessarily contributing to the problem, but it doesn't help the fact that you know you, every Hollywood movie's got a on the posters got the main actor holding a fucking gun. I mean, it's that kind of shit. I'm not saying we 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 do need to reflect with our art. We do need to re reflect real life. I'm not saying that we need to pull back against that. What we need to do is you know put put it out there that. This is fantasy. This is not reality. And guns are, you know, just follow the same list of things that I was just talking about. And uh, the music industry needs to get involved too. you know, just the entire American culture. Yeah. Year by year becomes more and more liberal. In spite of our politics, we are yeah. becoming a more liberal country as time goes on. And it's just a matter of tapping into that culture and using the culture rather than uh, politics to uh, to go at this thing. Because you know what? You could have all the uh, buyback programs and background checks and confiscations and, and assault weapon bans in the world. But it's not going to change the culture, which fuels the desire to purchase these things. It's just going to make people want to get them more or stockpile them more, just like the panic after Sandy Hook uh, uh, spiked uh, gun sales in 2013. The, the target needs to be the culture. You need to strip away that allure, that desire for the weapons. And I think that's, that's maybe the right way to go from this point. Yeah, I, I, any any I, i'm down to get involved 
I'd like to get involved in some way as well on on on, on this. I don't know how uh, I can be of service on this or how we can be of service in this. It's 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 a it's a huge task, but there has to be. You know, I think Bob, you're you're 100 right that it's yeah. if we can zero in on the culture. Um, and look, it's it's not easy because I, speaking for myself, I have the listeners of my podcast who are hunters who have firearms, and I've heard from some of them over the past few days, and um, it, it's tough to kind of go at things that your own audience kind of reveres to an extent, mm. but at the same time, we can't let that stop us we need to redefine what firearms are in this country and how they should be regarded that's the only way we solve this and if you know you lose some readers you lose some listeners along the way because they feel personally attacked well that's really on them you know mm. it's like when we talk about feminism or we talk about toxic masculinity we always have to say well not all men not all gun owners etc uh, I've always said you know, there, there are four categories of people who uh, need to have firearms. That's uh, cops, soldiers, people who hunt their food, and criminals. And beyond that, <laughs> it's it's nothing more than a hobby. You know what I mean? It's nothing more like the shit that I collect from Star Wars and superhero statues and action figures and shit like that. That's what guns are to a lot of people. They just they love the aesthetic. They love the power that goes along with them. They love the obsession, the hunt to find the rare guns and the interesting guns and the, uh, you know, the aesthetically cool looking guns and so on. And that becomes part of it. And we need to go right at that sort of thing. These are not romantic, uh, sacrosanct uh, pieces of hardware. These are destructive, awful things. It's like collecting cigarettes is what it's like. Mm. Yeah, good. Oh, you're a great cigarette collection. Congratulations on all those cigarettes. <laughs> kind of like that. I just I keep going back to that cigarette campaign and how effective that was. Uh, mm. Where now you you walk by a smoker and you're like, I can't believe there's a grown up smoking a cigarette that's an amazing like thing i smoked for that? 17 years but. and even i go buy a cigarette smoker and i go what the, i'm thinking what the fuck is wrong with you it stinks it looks stupid it's not cool and you are going to die a horrible death because of it if it keeps going and uh we need to do the same thing with guns yeah pu pu public campaign huge mm -hmm. public campaign um, yeah, I, I, I think, yeah, I think Bob, you're, you're you're right on the money, and it would take a long, it would take a, it took a while to reverse public opinion, opinion, but I think um, public opinion can be swayed rather quickly if you have the best and the brightest minds on this kind of thing. It, it, it isn't actually a, 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 an insurmountable task, mm -hmm. you know. This is like you said, it's been done before. Um, you know, there, I was. There, there just World, has to be the will to do it. Yeah, yeah. During but like during and World money. War Two, during World War Two, the you know where the U.S. was hadn't gotten into the war, and um, but there was a huge propaganda um, campaign because there was actually a lot of um, Nazi sympathizers in in the U.S. And there still are. Yeah, and there still are, um, of course, right? But but the U.S. government um, waged a sort of a campaign to change public opinion. Interestingly, Roald Dahl was a part of that. Um, he was mm. a huge, he was a big part of uh, trying to change public opinion in America about getting involved in World War II. And they did it. And they managed to completely change public opinion on, on Hitler, uh, on the on the Allies' chances of success, uh, and whether America should get involved or not. 
And um, yeah, America joined the war a couple of years too late, but um, well, not too late, just in time. <laughs> but to, to, you know, the, it, it, it can be done. You know, the, these these mountains can be moved. So I don't know. I uh, I'd, I'd love to hear from our audience as well as to what you know if they have any good suggestions as well. That was I think it's an all hands on deck moment right now because yep. I mean, how many more of these things uh, are the public? You know, are the public able to to take this is just it's too much you know it's 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 too much like sandy hook was i mean that was the most horrific thing i've ever i've ever seen in america uh and and we're close oh is that a tornado warning yep yeah we got one of those this morning this is what's happening in dc and maryland there's a tornado warning oh that's nice Yeah, Yeah. I can't say I'm just I'm looking at this thing now. I'm sorry, I was silent there for a second. National Weather Service tornado warning in this area until 12:15 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Take shelter now in a basement or an interior room. Oh my God! Wow, my yeah, my 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 four year old is obsessed with tornadoes. Yeah, hang uh, on a second. I'm gonna look out the window. Hang on. Any tornadoes? Well, if we lose Bob, then we know what happened. Yeah. yeah. He got sucked, sucked away by a tornado. Yeah, in the middle of the show. <laughs> yeah, my four-year-old is is petrified. He's obsessed with tornadoes and, and very worried that tornadoes are going to um are are coming to, to where we live. And I keep telling him that there are no tornadoes in this area. Uh, and then we and then we got a tornado warning. So we had to be very quiet about it. Yeah, I was on the roof last week watching uh, that thunderstorm that smacked around Alexandria, and I saw a funnel start to form just for a second. And I was on the phone with Anastasia, and she freaked out. So she's not; she wasn't too happy about that. Wow! And then, yeah, that was that was. I mean, it was great to watch, but oh boy! (laughs) Yeah. Well, I hope all our DC listeners are, are staying safe. This show, you'll be listening to this on Sunday. So I'm hoping, uh, hoping you will survive the tornado if the if if it was a, a big one. Um, and if the show doesn't post on Sunday. Well, now you know what happened. You know what happened <laughs> to us exactly. Uh, whatever. Listen, the switching gears, guys. We've got to, on a, on a on a more positive note. This is uh, our, our good friend uh, Kellyanne Conway has uh, been in the news. Friend, friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast. Friend of liberals everywhere. Um, Kellyanne Conway. So she's written a book called here's the deal um which is you've got to love that i i I love kellyanne conway's she's such a liar and such a good she's so confident and ballsy about her lies that she she's written the title of the book right when here's the deal that that's that it's sort of um she's kind of being like you know here's straight talk i'm gonna spit give it to you real like you know, because I'm a straight shooter. It's like you're a professional liar. She that's really what, is trash. Yeah, you are. That's your job is to lie, and you're good, and you're incredibly good at it. So any book that you write is going to be by definition bullshit. Um, so obviously, she, who knows who's lied in this book? But one of the things she wrote in her "Here's the Deal" book is that yes, she says yes that Trump lost. So she accepts that Trump lost the election. She also claims that Trump that she was one of the only people who told Trump that he lost, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, sorry, this is what happened on Thursday. 
Uh, Trump issued a statement trashing his most dedicated advisor. This is on Mediaite. Uh, media eye and most dedicated advisor and, do- and dogged defender invoking her husband George Conway in a missive ripping her claim she told him the obvious back in 2020 that he lost the election quote Kellyanne Conway never told me that she thought we lost the election Trump wrote quote if she had I wouldn't have dealt with her any longer she would have been wrong could go back to her crazy husband writing books can make people say some very strange things he continued I wonder why Got 12 million more votes than we did the first time. The most votes by far of any sitting president. The election was rigged. They used COVID to cheat and steal, and the evidence is massive and indisputable. So I just thought this is absolutely hilarious. Uh, that uh, And then Kellyanne Conway uh, was interviewed and blamed it on somebody else. So she said that, uh, she said, um, I was given a statement last night that he was going to put out a beautiful statement about the book and our relationship and how hard we had worked together. So somebody worked overtime between last evening and this morning to have him put that statement out. So this was Kellyanne Conway's uh, response to Donald Trump. I just think the whole thing is brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Like, who do you think is, just quickly, like a a quick poll here, who's telling the truth? Uh, You know, just don't know. You just don't know, right? It's, it's hard to tell. Although, honestly, in this particular case, it's probably Kellyanne Conway. But um, I don't know. I think oh, actually, not. no. Wait a minute. No, Trump was actually. I don't know. Trump. Trump probably would said something good about her book because you know he didn't read it or know anything about it, and she probably paid him money. So I don't know. My money. My money's on. Yeah, my money's on Trump telling the truth here that Kellyanne Conway didn't tell him that he lost the election. I'll bet you Kellyanne Conway didn't say a goddamn thing. Uh, but also, um, Conway's also said that she uh, she would she would gladly run Trump's camp- tr- um, Trump uh, Trump's <laughs> Trump's campaign again in twenty twenty four should he decide to run, um, which I think is amazing that she would watch. I mean, not amazing; it's not surprising, but it is. You've got to give you've got to give it to her after being um, insulted. The guy's insulted her husband. Uh, he's trashed her. Uh, he incited a, a riot, a coup. He tried to overthrow a, 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 a democratic election, uh, but yet, but yet, she would still go back and run his campaign. Yeah, well, you know, it lined her pockets. What does she care? Yeah, I mean, wow, amazing. It doesn't care about the country. She just cares about lining her pocket, and her husband's working the other end of it. So she gets to be pro-Trump. He gets to be anti-Trump. It works out great. Yeah, Donald Trump is as much of a business model as he has uh, as as he is a, a fascist. You know what I mean? He's you latch your uh, wagon to the Trump train. You know, you stand to uh, get some res- residual. <laughs> uh, uh, what do they call it? Uh, uh, yeah, you end up getting picking up some cash along the way. I mean, it's a Keep good back. business model to be linked Rhymes. to the Donald Trump universe. Yeah. The, the grift that keeps on giving. Yeah, exactly it, right. It, Trick, trickle down is what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. Trickle down, yeah. It really is. And Kellyanne Conway's got to be, I mean, she, she, to me, she's one of the worst people in, in that administration because I think because she's smart and she knows better. Uh, but she's so completely amoral or immoral that she, she, she can set aside reality and she can set aside the obvious fact that the guy's a criminal and just keep lying, right? 
it's uh, to me like I mean, she's the one that came s- up with alternative facts. She literally came up with the phrase alternative facts. Yeah, that was her. And I and I got to say, like the media, I think is is uh, again, this is really drives me crazy about the media that they would bring her on as a serious person to talk to. Like, why are you bringing Kellyanne Conway to talk? Like, what? Why are you inviting her on your show for what? There's no, there's no, there's absolutely no point. You know, um, Chris Cuomo would 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 constantly have Kellyanne Conway. They'd have these like shouting matches. But I just think that you know, what's the point? I don't really get what the point of having Kellyanne Conway talk about anything. Well, because it makes for good TV. Because it gets people angry, and that makes ratings. Right. They're not. It's not for information purposes. It's for ratings. It's like a wrestling match. Right. Right. And she she sort of perfected that whole model. Like she did. She was great. Kind of WWE. Uh, entertainment style news uh, propaganda propagandist yeah, shamelessly lying everyone knew it including her yeah. and she would just smile it's like ha you know she could literally say I'm lying to you but I'm gonna keep doing it with a smile on my face and there's nothing yeah. you can do about it next yeah, commercial that's what, that's what always <laughs> amazed me that she just she she lied about it she knew that her opponent knew that she was lying and knew that she knew that she was lying and yet she would just keep going. It, it takes a special type of a sociopath to do that. It really does, I think. So I think the more that these these they fight amongst themselves, the better. I was quite happy to hear this. I was quite happy to hear that Trump and Kellyanne Conway are, are um, at, at odds with each other. So this is good news, uh, which also brings us into the other um, uh, thing we were going to talk about, about the, the Democrats using this sort of new this new strategy which i think is is kind of interesting there was a piece about this on high risk high reward high risk high, high reward it, it said this was actually in on, on yahoo news this is strong struggling democrats look to a risky strategy meddling in gop primaries to boost unelectable republicans so the article goes when 2020 election denialist doug mastriano won last week's gop primary for pennsylvania governor a Guardian op-ed called him one of the most radical gubernatorial candidates ever to receive a major party nomination. So fearing a loss in November, leading Republicans throughout the Keystone State had tried and failed to derail Mastriano's bid. But at least one very prominent Pennsylvanian had been rooting for Mastriano all along and spending like crazy to help him. Democratic gubernatorial candidate Josh Shapiro, the man Mastriano will now face on election day. So this is, uh, and then they call it the the McCaskill Maneuver. In the summer of 2012, Missouri Senator Claire McCaskill, also a Democrat, did something unprecedented, dropping nearly $2 million worth of ads designed to help an ultra-conservative GOP congressman named Todd Aiken secure his own party's Senate nomination. Why? Because McCaskill and her pollster had calculated that Aiken's narrative could make him the winner among the people most likely to vote in the Republican primary, and maybe, just maybe, a loser among moderate Missourians, McCaskill later explained. Decade later, the McCaskill maneuver is making a comeback. In Pennsylvania, Illinois, Nevada, and Oregon, Democratic gubernatorial candidates have been trying to boost Republicans they think can beat and weaken whoever they consider their biggest threat. Next up could be Arizona, where Democrats are doing something similar with Carrie Lake, the GOP's Mastriano-like frontrunner, by, quote, focusing their energies in the primary not on speaking to the base, but rather on painting her as too extreme for Arizona, according to the Arizona Republic economist Elvia Diaz. So I think this is a pretty interesting 
development. I think it's also, uh, I'm all for it. I think it's certainly risky, but I think that the Democrats have got to play as dirty as they can uh, within, obviously, legal, you know, what within the law. Uh, but I, too, for too often, when, when battling Republicans, Democrats, they bring a knife to a gunfight, you know, um, and I, I think they, they need to stop doing that. And I think in, in what they need to do instead is they need to bring a poison drink to a gunfight and give it to the gunman before they start the gunfight. You know, I think it's I think it's not just about the Republicans. I think it's about the public who is more than happy to sit back and just say both parties are the same. Well, not just the public, just, you know, the, like like the, the people who tend not to vote. Or the people who aren't motivated to vote, who just say both sides are the same. Oh, I can't be bothered. If you, the whole point of this is to put down in front of them a choice. You can vote for the Democrat, or you can. This is what I was saying before the show. You can vote for the absolute bat, or not vote, and you can allow an absolutely crazy, batshit, insane moron to get in office and destroy everything. That's your choice now. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to sit there and complain and whine, or are you going to vote for me? That's your choice now. I'm now. I'm not giving you any fucking options. If you sit on the fence, they're going to burn the fence down while you're sitting on it. What are you going to do? That's your mm-hmm. choice. What are you going to do about it? And, and that's going to motivate people. Yeah, yeah. Even I, if they don't uh, want it. I um I I don't love this plan. I I get how it could work. <laughs> But it's risking a lot at a time when voters are absolutely willing to vote for the nuttiest of all the nutbags. See also the renomination of Marjorie Taylor Greene in the Georgia 14th. I mean, this is this is uh, a, a, an electorate right now, at least a significant portion of them, 74 million people by uh, the 2020 measure who are willing to vote in general elections for these freaks. And uh, if there's, I mean, obviously if there's polling to show that the chances are slim against a Democrat in a particular district, fine. Um, But if it's close, boy, that's just high risk poker right there. That's for sure. I mean, but the thing with the people like the, the Marjorie Taylor, the Marjorie Taylor greens, though they get, they get elected in districts that are super, super duper red. Right. Mm -hmm. They don't get elected in close races, usually, because in a close race, their electorate doesn't want crazy. And the electorate tends to shy away from crazy when it when it's a mixed when it's a purple district. They don't want crazy. Right. They get turned off by crazy. It's only when it's deep, deep, deep red. Then all of the incentives are to go as far right as possible because you can't lose. Right. You're you're There's got to be a Republican there. So now your incentive is to play to the primary voters, and the primary voters are the craziest of the crazy, crazy, crazies. But that's not what it's like in purple. So you know now if you put the crazy, crazy, crazy on the ballot, now you're looking at Democratic voters who are going to be like, yeah, I'm not voting for that psycho. And now you've got moderate voters who are just like, yeah, I don't want that psycho either. I'll go vote for the Democrat because I ain't dealing with that bullshit for two to four years. Yeah, I, it's it's a pretty sort of Machiavellian way of doing of of approaching this, and I think, like Bob, as you say, there are a lot of risks involved with it. But 
you have a lot of voter apathy at the moment, right? And um, I think one of the ways to jolt democratic voters out of their stupor is to is is like you know Justin as you say is to present them with a choice. It's like easy. This is what you have. You have a complete fucking lunatic, or you have a kind of sensible democrat. Like that. Th- that's your choice. And and the bet, you know. I don't think Mastriano is going to. Uh, I don't. You know what I mean. I don't think he's going to win the governorship race. I don't. I, I think that's it, it's a long shot, uh, personally. And I, I see that. I can see why that strategy might be um, sort of use. You know, it's it, at least it's it's an option, right? It's like I think if you want to get if you want to sort of ensure Biden gets in in twenty twenty four, it's like run Donald Trump, you know. I think that Republicans are kind of worried about this. They're extremely worried about running about Trump running again because they don't think that he can beat Biden. So I think that, the, you know, and Biden said this as well. He's like, yeah, like I, you know, if he wants to run again, that'd be great. You know, like it's it's, it's pretty easy for me to win. The guys, the guy self implodes. Like the Bob, as you're always saying, the Trump always hurts Trump. Right, right, like. The crazies self-employed just leave them to their own device. You don't even have to craft much of a campaign strategy to beat them. You just let them speak. Just be like, "Yeah, you just talk. Just go out and be you. You do you, uh, and you'll drive voters away all by yourself." So I think that there is some merit to that. Uh, I don't know. I'm for it. I'll, I think we should. Democrats need to get. Yeah, they, they need to do whatever they can to to. Yeah, don't forget party. that. Um. Like uh, back in 2008, Rush Limbaugh tried to do something like this. Operation he called it Chaos. Operation Chaos. Yeah. Mm. He tried to get Republicans to either vote in open primaries or to register as a Democrat and get them to vote for weak Democratic um, uh, candidates in order to make it easier for Republicans to win. That was, you know, I mean, I'm sure what, he wasn't the first person to think of that clearly, but he tried to make that a big thing. Didn't work. Mm. I, but uh yeah i was just gonna say i i hope the democrats didn't try that with trump in 2016 <laughs> during well, the republican I mean, hillary primaries clinton, hillary clinton did try um that was like one of the memos she put out i don't know how much effort they put into that but i know it was something they talked about i don't know if they actually followed up on it but trump was perceived as the weakest candidate at the time yeah he sure like, was the one that you want to run against but you know of course that was before they knew that russia was getting involved the fbi was getting involved blah 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 but you know it, it, in all other instances trump should have lost you know aside from everything else so i could see why that would be something they discussed mm. but i don't know what the um what what the follow up was if any yeah, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of the more you can get them to fight amongst themselves, the better it is for the Democrats. You know, it's it sort of I've been observing the way that the Ukrainian government, for example, is uh, uh, they're, put, they're putting out a lot of um, misinformation, disinformation. I'm not sure what you'd call it, but they're constantly they're constantly out there talking about how there's a coup underway in the Kremlin and that Putin's about to be toppled and they're. Um, I'm, I'm fairly certain that the Ukrainian government is responsible for a lot of the the, the, the whispering about Putin's health, about uh, resistance to Putin within the Kremlin, and about how badly it's going. So there's a lot of disinformation, I think, being pumped out or rumours being spread uh, with the with the 
the aim is to split the Kremlin. The aim is to is to create divisions within the Kremlin and in Putin's inner circle. Uh, you know, because obviously a unified front is is far more dangerous. Right. So I think that the Democrats could could engage that that at least you know they can go along with that kind of thinking. They can think think of smart ways to do that to make sure that the Republican Party is devo- as divided as possible. You know. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a classic technique. I mean, if you look at the way that sort of empires were run, right? If you, if you, um, the British Empire was was fantastic at this. We were, they were very, very good at making um, tribes within the country that they'd colonized uh, uh, fight each other. And the, the French were very good at that. So were the Belgians. You know, you'd create um, conflicts, you know, intertribal conflicts. While, you know, the real enemy obviously were the British, but if you're too busy fighting, you know, your, your neighbouring tribe, uh, then you, you forget who the real um, who, who the real opponent is. And I think that uh, obviously, you know, <laughs> um, it's a slightly different with sort of slightly different prospect here we're talking about, but it, it's a very it's a very effective way of of you know dividing and conquering. And uh, yeah, I'm up for whatever, whatever we need, whenever we need to do, we need to do. And I think you know the Lincoln Project is is that that's what they're all about. That's their entire kind of modus operandi is to do that is to split the Republican Party. Yeah, you know, um, I wish uh, I I wish those guys and and I I'm not one of these people who's constantly slamming the Lincoln Project. I think there are a lot of grifters in there, but there are some people who are trying to do the right thing at least. And <clears throat> I I wish they would do this more often. I wish they would tell us where the gaps in the Republican armor are. And, uh, you know, strategic ways that we can outflank the Republicans. Here's where the Republicans' weakness are. Uh, The Mm -hmm. the weaknesses are all here, A, B, C, D, E, F, uh, and and go about it that way. I think that would be (laughs) as helpful as some of the videos they're churning out to let us know, yeah, this particular candidate, oh, I've, I've heard some things about that guy or... You know, uh, this yeah, is like where they that know who they've is killed, vulnerable. who they've yeah. slept with. It's like, come on, yeah, yeah, give us the dirt, yeah. give us the dirt, exactly, exactly. All right, guys, well, look, let's move on to our both sides segment uh, this week. So, my my pick for this week for both sides is not it's not exactly a both sides thing, but it's it's sort of a, a response to Ted Cruz, who's been out there, um, obviously distracting everybody. From the real cause of the of the massacre in Uvalde, which is you know he's talking about having you know single entrances to schools, uh, storming out of interviews because um, uh, talking about gun control. I think there's a British interview who asked him about gun control and why you know the link between guns and gun massacres. And Ted Cruz didn't like that, so he stormed out of the interview. Um, no, so this was baby. yeah, poor baby, right? G- G- Jimmy Kimmel did a, uh, uh, on Wednesday, did a whole kind of monologue about this. It was, and um, kind of, you know, he was always breaking down when he was talking about it. But he talked about, specifically about Ted Cruz. And I wanted to just, I wanted to just quickly talk about this, right? Um, where he, he talked specifically about Greg Abbott and Ted Cruz. And he said, I don't believe Ted Cruz doesn't care about children. Kimmel said, I refuse to believe he's unaffected by this. He's a father. I bet he went to bed sick to his stomach last night. It's easy to call someone a monster, but he's not a monster. He's a human being. Um, so here's the thing I would like to say to Ted Cruz, the human being. It's okay to admit that you made a mistake. In fact, 
it's not just okay. It's necessary to admit you made a mistake when your mistake is killing the children in your state. So I'm going to use my both sides segment just to, I just want to correct Jimmy Kimmel here. Um, no, no. He, Ted Cruz is not a human being. Ted Cruz is a fucking monster. If you think that Ted Cruz is going to come out in favor of gun control, if you think that Ted Cruz is going to show an ounce of bravery when it comes to acting on 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 this or gun control, he's not going to. I just want to um, make sure that people understand this, that Ted Cruz is about the biggest arsehole you could possibly imagine. He's a guy who knew about the dangers of Trump when Trump um, came on the scene, spoke about the dangers of Trump, about how he was a dangerously immoral, charlatan, racist, fear-mongering um, bigot. And then uh, Donald Trump insulted his wife, called his wife ugly, uh, abused him, said his dad was uh, may have killed JFK. Uh, everything that you could possibly do to insult the guy. And then Ted Cruz still got behind him, still went out and voted for him, still went out and campaigned for him and became one of Trump's most important allies while he was president. Ted Cruz is, is about as grim a person. He's about as cowardly a person as you could possibly find in, in, in all of us politics. And I don't, yeah, I just, I don't regard, I don't regard him as a, as a, as a, as a human being. I regard the guy as a sort of, uh, as a, I don't even know what you would call him. He, he's, a, he's a monster. He is a, uh, a coward. And I think that, yeah, the dead children in Texas. Yeah. That he has a part to play in all of that. He has a part to play in, in, in anybody killed in, in America because this guy takes money, he takes millions of dollars from gun lobbyists and he won't do a goddamn thing about it. So no, Jimmy, um, Ted Cruz is not a human being. I'm sorry. There are, I love this old joke, uh, there are two kinds of people in the world, uh, people who hate Ted Cruz and Ted Cruz. That's <laughs> <laughs> so true. Even the Republicans hate Ted Cruz. Uh, I yeah. point you to John Boehner in his book saying, Ted Cruz, go fuck yourself. Just he threw that in there. Wow. No yeah. one likes Ted Cruz. He's part of the Republican Party, so they play with him. But uh, he's he's just a, a sentient slime mold. There's nothing redeemable about him whatsoever. Yeah, I, I agree. Anyway, there's my both sides. There is nothing remotely comparable to Ted Cruz on the left. Nothing. Thank God. Yeah, nothing. So, Justin, who's your who's your pick today? Um, it's actually a small gaggle. It's a collection. It's um, after the shooting in uh, Uvalde, um, the right immediately tried to blame everybody, this, that, and the other, as they always do. And one of the things they settled on very quickly was that the shooter, whose name I'm not going to use, was a transgender was transgender, was cross-dressing, and therefore a leftist. So um, th none of that's true. It, it, it came from, shockingly, 4chan. Um, NBC News uh, says, social media trolls are using photos of transgender, transgender women to spread a false theory that the Texas shooter was transgender. I don't even live in Texas, one of the women said, adding that she wants to, quote, to live without being attacked when I leave my house because... Now they're just going to assume it's her for some reason, right? Even though the shooter's already dead, somehow she's, she's still going to be blamed, which is going to be amazing. So first they found someone that 
kind of look like this guy. And then when people started pointing out they don't look the same, they started using pictures with the faces more blurred out or just less distinct so they can say, oh, no, that's definitely the guy. That's definitely the shooter. Um, And, of course, naturally, um, Republicans, uh, Paul Gosar were on it. Um, Candace Owens, um, Alex Jones started spreading it. And it just took off from there. So now, even though it is completely debunked, totally not true, I've been seeing it on Facebook. I'm not on Twitter right now. I've been, I took a break from Twitter like a month ago, so I have not been going on Twitter. Good but I've been you. seeing on Facebook where people are just saying, oh, yeah, this is, you know, it's a it was a leftist and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, but it's not. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. As far as they're concerned, it is absolutely true. And they will continue saying it. Um, Paul Gosar specifically said, you know, it was a, a, a leftist, a leftist transgender. I think he said communist, too. I don't even know. But it's just stupid. And they're just never, ever going to let it go now. And it's going to be true forever. Oh, there we go. Transsexual leftist illegal alien. Oh, my God. The guy was born in North Dakota. Oh, my God. So yeah. you don't see you know, that. You don't, you don't see this kind of nonsense on the left. No, there's nothing like it. Yes, as much as I dislike the Bernie Bros and all the identity politics extremists, um, uh, we can at least, uh, yeah, they, you don't see anything like this at all. Um, Bob, who, who's your pick this week? Oh, that'll be Donald Trump, uh, according <laughs> to Mark Meadows, and at least two other witnesses testifying to the 1-6 committee. Uh, Donald Trump actually wanted Mike Pence to be hanged. When people started chanting, hang Mike Pence, uh, Donald Trump was upset when he saw on the news that they whisked uh, Mike Pence out of the Capitol building. Secret Service did. And he was uh, he was favorably watching that footage and uh, expressed to and I don't have the quote in front of me, but he did express to Mark Meadows that, yeah, maybe he should be hanged. In fact, I think that was the quote. Maybe he should be hanged is what Donald Trump said to his chief of staff while the insurrection was going on. That is unprecedented. I hope Mark Meadows' testimony is part of the prime time hearings. There's going to be two sets of prime time hearings with the 1-6 committee. I hope, I hope Mark Meadows and I hope this story and I hope the other two witnesses to back it up are part of those prime time hearings. That is the most stunning revelation to come out of these one six committee investigations the most staggering piece of information that the sitting president wanted a mob of insurrectionists to hang the vice president uh i don't even know how to peg this we've never seen this before in this country it's It's never happened i mean certainly i know there are probably some presidents who would uh rather their vice president take a uh a flying leap off the 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 top of the building but uh (laughs) I don't think they've ever expressed that level of of just gr- gratuitous assassination fantasy. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable. So there you go. We, we don't see that I, on the I, Democratic yeah. side. We seldom see that in American politics ever. But there it is. Donald Trump as uh, as awful, as toxic as, as can be. Totally normal. Yeah. Totally normal. Totally, totally normal. normal. Jesus. Um, all right. Well, listen, everybody, on that note, <laughs> <delightful> <laughs> <note>. <laughs> we're going to leave it there. 
Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, I'm sure the, this week's been a tough one for everybody. Um, you know, uh, if you've been affected psychologically by 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 this, my heart goes out to all, to to everyone who's listening. It's been a really tough week. I you know, this is the, the times when it's very challenging to be an American and live in this country. When you these school massacres, it's pretty it's pretty pretty rough. So hopefully. Um, you know, something happens, there's some action we can do, you know, again, I, I really would like to hear from people what they think, any ideas how to, how to move things forward. I want to get involved as well. I've had, a, I'm, I'm just sick to death of this stuff. And uh, we can't give up hope. I think hope is, if you lose hope, is that that's the end of it. So you can't give up hope on these things. Um, the audacity of hope, as, as President <laughs> Obama once said. Um but anyway, uh, be well, everybody, and we will see you next week. Yeah, thanks. I'm going to go visit the land of Oz now. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> if you see a witch on a on a bicycle or a broom, yeah, that's why I've got my window, uh, my blinds open, so I can watch for the witches. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Really thanks so much. Okay. All right. See you later. Take it easy, guys. Bye-bye. Bye bye.